Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. On today's show, we'll be talking about B2B content marketing. So first of all, what is content marketing? So according from Wikipedia, content marketing refers to marketing that involves the creation and sharing of media and publishing content in order to acquire and retain customers. So as an example, let's say there's a company that is a beauty product subscription service. And in order to create awareness about themselves among customers, they decide to publish a series of articles imparting beauty advice. Then this would be an example of content marketing because first of all, it creates awareness about this company among consumers. And then somewhere down the line, these people, at least some of them, might decide to buy products from this company. So that's content marketing. And then coming to B2B, B2B stands for business to business. And so B2B content marketing is nothing but using content that would be attractive to businesses as opposed to consumers. And you're doing this in order to market your product or your service to other businesses. So let me introduce our guest for today's show then. To help us understand this area, our guest today is Esther Lee Cruz, who works as an insights and content marketer at LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with LinkedIn. It is one of the largest professional networks online and many people around the world use LinkedIn to create their professional profiles online. Coming to Esther, she has a bachelor's in mathematics and sociology from Wheaton College, after which she also did an MBA from the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania, where she specialized in marketing and management. As a content marketer at LinkedIn, Esther has a string of achievements under her belt. She was the one who led the first $2 million campaign, content marketing campaign, for the LinkedIn Talent Solutions Group. And this was the very first time that something like this was done within this group. And Esther also helped expand this group from 19 to 31 countries. So she clearly has a lot of experience in this space and in fact comes with a lot of passion for this space. And on today's show, she'll be sharing a lot of details with us to help us understand what working in this space is all about. Also on a quick note, before we begin the discussion, if you have any questions either for Esther or for us at the end of the show, please don't hesitate from reaching out to us. You can email us at learn educate discover at gmail.com or simply follow us on twitter and then you can send us a message there or tweet to us our twitter handle is at led underscore curator that's at led underscore c-u-r-a-t-o-r so with that let's switch over to esther hey esther how are you thank you for joining us hi thanks yeah so for our listeners, we are right now at Esther's place recording the podcast. It's a lovely place. We are right here in SF. Petrao Hill. Yes, it's a beautiful view. And from what I can see, you just got a parrot. 
we bought our first pet, and her name is Eva. She's a parrot. And she's from the Amazon in South America. Oh, wow. And she's very green and orange right now. So green and orange. Uh, and she, her name is Eva because we loved the movie WALL-E by Pixar. Oh, yeah. And Eva, the character, we really loved. She's flying around all the time and very slick. So we named our parrot after her. All right. So let's get to content marketing. Why don't we start out with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey so far? So I started off, as you said, as a math and sociology major and had no idea what I wanted to do after college. And I decided to go into financial services consulting because it sounded legit mm-hmm. and I hadn't yet explored business. I basically explored almost every other field you can imagine throughout my internships, teaching, social work, law, and I hated them. So business was the last kind of frontier that I hadn't yet explored. And I just kind of dove in, mm-hmm. and I liked some aspects of it, the project management parts, the speed, but I didn't like other aspects, which were, you know, I didn't love the financial services industry. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I needed to get into a different industry, mm-hmm. and most probably a different function as well. And I knew that I wanted to kind of, you know, revive the creative aspects of work that I love, and financial services consulting wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went to business school. And then after school, I discovered marketing, which is a really cool mix of analytics and creativity. And content marketing in particular is very creative. And so in some ways, it's pushing me to more towards that side where, you know, I was a math major, so I do have that part of me as well. And it's a challenge, but it's also really, really exhilarating. Yeah, so you know, that's a great introduction because uh, you brought up two very important aspects of marketing, which is one, it requires a lot of creativity, but then there's also the analytical side to it. So before we get into this, why don't you first give us an introduction to what is content marketing and then we can get into these aspects. Sure. Content marketing is creating visual and written stuff that gets people excited about your company or whatever products or services you're selling. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And this content can be in any form, any shape. Right. Video, infographics, blog posts, websites. Okay. Anything you can see. So let's talk a little bit more about this. As you're saying that it is essentially trying to find content which you think will be attractive to customers and then publishing it. So is this only online or is this, it can be elsewhere also? Yeah, it can be online or offline. So events marketing can fall under content marketing as well as digital advertising. Okay. It's a very broad scope, which makes it interesting. Right. And can you share examples of how companies have successfully used content marketing to their benefit? So LinkedIn actually is doing it quite well. Um, I want to say there's probably at least one or two other companies out there that's doing this well. You know, the best companies that are doing this right now are media companies, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest. So if you think about Fortune, BuzzFeed, New York Times, their entire business is content. And so they need really good content to monetize and survive. Whereas LinkedIn's business is dependent on other things and content is a way to get new customers for those other things. So it's a little bit different, but, and so that's why our content feels probably a little bit more salesy. But if you're doing content right, it's going to feel a lot more like a New York Times article that's really engaging and informative 
or BuzzFeed articles that's just really funny and gets you to learn more. Right. But, but as you're saying, those companies, their business is content, right? So right. They, that's what they're supposed to do. Right. What about, like, I remember I reading about this campaign that Airbnb ran quite some time back, which I'm not sure if that's content marketing and you should tell me. So they were still struggling at that time. They were a struggling startup. And in order to raise funds, they released these uh, cereal boxes, I think, which were at the time of the Obama campaign or something, but they were, they had like something going on over there. And so those cereal boxes were right on time when the campaign was going on and people bought a lot of those cereal boxes that in turn just generated a lot of buzz both for Airbnb. And then of course it got them some revenue, which helped them. So would that be an example of content marketing? That's probably a great example. Okay. When you said Airbnb, that made me think of another campaign they did where they basically created an interactive web experience that illustrated why Airbnb was adding a lot to the economy, especially for certain groups like seniors and people who wanted to make extra money. And that was like a really engaging, creative content marketing campaign. And I think that's a great example that we should all look to. Uh, Uber Kittens is another great example. Right, right, right. And it just gets you excited to be part of uber and to get a kitten and it's very shareable very exciting fun so they, they both did a great job with that right right yeah exactly i, I remember it so you, i think on uber kittens you can get a kitten on demand yeah right <laughs> okay. exactly yeah and then when you talk about b2b content marketing how is that different it shouldn't be too different except that your target audience is companies rather than your everyday joe so for me i'm targeting the head of recruiting at every company in the world. It's going to be different for whatever company you're at, but the work itself is the same. It's just who it is that you're going after that's different. I see. Generally speaking, I'm imagining that since this is not a direct sales approach, it takes some time for this piece of content to actually be effective in helping you acquire new customers. So do you have any sense for how long it takes for content marketing to really be effective? in helping you get whatever your goals are. So if you're B2B content marketing, it is going to be longer. It's going to depend more on the sales cycle, Mm -hmm. which for us is anywhere between one to six months. Mm -hmm. And with consumers, though, you have to kind of get them on the spot and get them interested to buy whatever it is you're selling because consumer attention spans are very short. Oh, so even, for example, with Uber kittens, you would hope that when people see this, they start using Uber to get kittens and then hopefully start using Uber for getting exactly. cabs. Okay, yeah. so you I have see. to capture them right away. I or see. Or as in B2B, I'm building a longer-term relationship mm-hmm. where I'm trying to get them to download multiple pieces and get them interested in researching who we are, finding out more about our products, the ROI of our products, why LinkedIn as a company overall is a great one to work with, And then after X amount of time, months, where they're internally debating if they should use us, I'm building that relationship with them with content. And then once they have gotten enough information, then that's typically when they talk to a salesperson. And by that time, they're really well informed. The sales cycle will be shorter, uh, and we've kind of pre-qualified them. I see. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so I think this is a good point where maybe you can describe for us what your role is and where it fits in among the broad set of activities that LinkedIn does. There's a lot of different activities when it comes to getting customers for your company. The very kind of 
quote-unquote top of the funnel, the broad awareness type activities are public relations and brand marketing. And so once they kind of like make known who our company is, content marketing comes in and we start to share a lot of educational material, things that not only help make them aware, but also get them engaged and considering buying our products. And then once we do that and collect their contact information, then we pass them along to demand generation marketing and their focus is securing that sale. And so they have very hard sales numbers. (coughs) And so once they do their thing, get their contact information, pass them along to sales, sales comes in and builds a relationship and then closes the deal. So there's this journey where the customer may not be aware of our company. We take them through all the way to sales. Can you help us understand how do you qualify those people that you are finally sending as leads to, you said, demand marketing, right? Demand generation. Demand generation, yeah. How do you do that? How do you identify those people? The beauty of content marketing is that we don't have to identify them. They self-identify themselves. So basically, by downloading any of our stuff, they're telling us that they're the right audience. So they've voluntarily given us their contact information. And when they continue to do that over a few times, we know that, okay, this probably is the person that we want to be talking to. I see. Oh, that's very interesting. So maybe you can share an example of a project that you worked on. And I think that'll also help us understand what you do and the kind of activities you engage in. Sure. So one of my big projects last year was a report on the state of recruiting. What are the trends that are happening in recruiting right now that will affect you as a company and perhaps will affect different job seekers? And publishing that report was a content campaign because we wanted to not only show that we were thought leaders in the industry, but we wanted to capture leads for sales. Recruiting leaders who read that information are exactly the types of people we want to be talking to as a company to make money. So basically, I worked on this for probably six months, and that consisted of everything from doing the market research itself, which was surveys, to just putting together the actual reports and everything that went along with those reports. So infographics, blog posts, video interviews, Stuff that would just bring that data to life so that people could get excited about what are the latest trends that are happening in recruiting. And once they downloaded our information, I would then be able to say, okay, I've generated this many leads for sales, and I've generated this many sales ultimately for the business. Uh, And so it was exciting because not only did I get to see the latest trends that were happening for myself, which I'm personally very interested in. Yeah. But I also got to, you know, have really profound business impact for LinkedIn, which right. was cool. Yeah, so if I understand you correctly, for the group that you are working in, your customers are recruiters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Across various kind of small businesses, large businesses. And then you identified that for these recruiters, it will be helpful if we can show them the various trends within recruiting that exist across various demographics. And I'm sure you did your parsing and analysis. Yes. And so over the period of six months, you worked on this report and published it. And based on who downloaded that report, you identified which of these recruiters are actually interested in this kind of data, which then finally went to your sales team 
Exactly. became leads. Okay. So my follow-up question is that once you know who your customer is, I'm sure you can share all kinds of content. Yes. How do you identify what kind of content will work? So we have to do some research beforehand to understand what kind of content excites our audience. And we do have a little bit of research that tells us, for example, recruiters love short and sweet content like blog posts and infographics. And so we do generate a lot of that kind of stuff. How do you know that? We ask them in a survey, what kind of content do you prefer to consume? I see. And then that actually gets ranked for us when all of the data comes back in. I see. Okay. And when you published this report, for what duration were you tracking the number of downloads? We were tracking it for a year. For a year. Okay. So you give it that much time. We do. We have quarterly goals, monthly goals as well. But for one year, we expect every single campaign to generate at least a million dollars in sales. And do you also work on variations of the same report just to see, hey, for example, you have identified your trends, but you could publish them parsed by states, for example, or parsed by industry, for example. And each of them may have different value to recruiters. So how do you figure out, do you run variations of the same report to see which one? Okay, you do. Yeah. So we cut it by country, Mm -hmm. and right now we're doing another cut by industry. Okay. So the best way to find out what they're interested in is just to look at the data afterwards. It's really hard to know before you launch something what the priorities are. We ask them in a survey, but what people tell you is often different from what they end up doing. Mm -hmm. And so we just monitor the results afterwards. That's a good point. That's true. People don't really tell you. Like right. what they tell you is different from what they do. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, these days, there's a lot of buzz around content marketing. And everyone says content is king. Ultimately, that's what really counts. And advertising and all of these are very uh, sort of archaic ways of acquiring customers. So what is your thought on that? And why do you think this opinion exists? Yeah, it's interesting. I think traditional advertising can feel very salesy and pushy which is why a lot of companies are moving towards content marketing, which feels more educational and helpful. So I think that's the reason why you see a shift in what companies are even calling this group. We're content marketers. We're not advertisers, for example. Even though digital ads are part of our strategy, and sometimes even physical ads, not for LinkedIn, but if you think about other companies, billboards mm-hmm. and you know newspaper ads mm-hmm. still part of the strategy yeah you're right i mean advertising and all these do feel much more pushy as opposed to content which i can directly consume and make use of right because with content you're giving them the option to opt in they don't have to look at your content but if they choose to read through the whole thing and give you their contact information you know that there's something there mm-hmm. and it makes it just that much easier to identify the people that you're trying to sell to. Because when you put up a billboard, it's hard to know who that's really impacting and whether that really actually made any kind of impact. And oftentimes with the billboard, it's a shot in the dark. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, each and every person on the road is seeing it, right? So you don't even know how effective it's going to be, right? Yes. And so we're trying to be much more sophisticated about that and providing value with the content that we instead of pushing a message. Right. 
And going back to the project, the example that you shared, can you walk us through the sort of questions that you have to think about and questions that you have to answer as you're going through the process? So this was one project that you worked on. But through any typical content marketing project, what's the process you would follow beginning to end? One of the very first parts of the process is creating a campaign strategy. And that strategy is really, really crucial because it helps determine the rest of your work and how impactful that work's going to be. So that upfront strategy probably takes a couple of weeks to a month to put together okay. where you're determining who is the target audience, what is the timing and the timeline, which is actually pretty critical in marketing because people's attention spans fluctuate throughout the year. Who you'll work with internally to get this done. PR, sales, insights and analytics, communications, demand generation, product marketing, etc. Your message. That is actually a very, very difficult but important thing to get right. What is the problem that you're trying to solve for them? And how can you communicate your solution in a way that doesn't feel pushy or feel disingenuous? So it has to feel authentic and address the crux of the problem that they're facing. And beyond the message, it's how do you tailor that message to the different audiences that you're trying to reach? And I think that is an art, such an art. But you can back that up with a lot of research too, which is something that we've done. But even with the research, ultimately that end message and decision is still a very fuzzy thing. to figure out because you don't know for sure. And the beauty is today you can test a lot of messaging before anything goes live. So we do a lot of that too. Oh, how do you do that? You can do it in social media where you point them using the messages you're trying to test. You point them to things that are already existing, like in a blog post. I see. Okay. And then you see what's working and data accordingly. Yes. That's smart. Okay. So this strategy takes about a month for you to put together. Yes, because you have to get buy-in from all of the different countries, the different leads in your company, and different cultures and countries view things extremely differently. Mm-hmm. And figuring out the right message for those different groups of people is complicated. Right. So, so once you have your strategy done, then what's the next phase? The next phase is getting the resources that you need to execute on that strategy. So making sure you have the budget, making sure you have the agencies that you want to work with. Uh, We work with a lot of creative agencies. Mm -hmm. So we have to talk to them about, can you design this for me? And how much is it going to be negotiating? And then once you figure out that, it's all about writing. Writing is probably 80% of what we're doing. So you yourself are the one who is writing? At LinkedIn, yes. Oh, yeah? Wow. Okay. Because I, I think I would have guessed that you would probably hire someone who is, I don't know, like that's their job. Yeah, exactly. We, we have done that. And I think we're actually moving more towards that now. Okay. But uh, we kind of were trying to be scrappy about it. So we decided just, hey, do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I mean, it, it'll work to some extent at least. Yes. But I think a sustainable model is to have a trusted writer who can take your concept and strategy and put something together that's really, really good. Right, right. So this is basically your execution phase, right? Yes. And how long is this phase usually? 
uh, depending on what you're putting together, if it's an ebook or a report, it probably takes about one to two months because you're doing research, you're writing, you're negotiating with vendors. And yeah, that's about how long it takes. And then after that, the campaign goes out and you're monitoring it for some, exactly. for some period of time. Okay. Yeah. And how do you measure the success? First of all, how do you measure the success of a campaign, a content marketing campaign? It depends on the goals. So typically with me, there's two types of goals. One type is where it's broad awareness and engagement. The second type is sales. And depending on what your goal is, your metrics of success are going to change. So if it's sales, the goal might be, I want to do a campaign that generates a million dollars in sales over the year. That's not always going to be your goal. Sometimes your goal is going to be awareness. So I want to do a campaign that gets 200,000 people to download this information. And so you measure it by downloads or you measure it by leads, what we call marketing qualified leads. And, you know, in order to get leads, you need to download a certain number and then you become a lead. Right, right. And these goals are set right in the beginning during your strategy phase. Exactly. I see. And so as an individual who is working on content marketing, your performance, I guess, is also assessed vis-a-vis these goals. Exactly. That you're set for the campaigns. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So I think that gives a very good idea of what B2B content marketing is. Would you like to add anything else? I would say that one thing to mention is there's different types of marketing. Okay. And so you'll probably have heard of product marketing, demand generation marketing, marketing operations, and marketing analytics. Mm -hmm. Those are the other four major areas of marketing in our tech company, besides content. Oh, I see. Okay, so this is within the broad marketing umbrella. Content marketing is one piece, and then you have all of these other also. And then do these interact with each other? Very much. Um, Oh, and another area that I forgot was brand marketing and PR, which now under at LinkedIn, we've PR and marketing are combined. Okay. So maybe you can, you know, mention one or two lines on each of them just so that we understand what each of them is about. Yes. So PR and brand marketing are awareness. Here we are. We're LinkedIn. This is what we do. We're awesome. Pay attention. Content marketing is we can help you solve your problem. Here's some information. Demand generation marketing is, okay, you're interested in us and we're interested in you. Let's make this work somehow. And then let me give you to sales after you tell me that you want to make this work. And then marketing operations is the machine behind it all. They help us create the websites. They help us send out the emails. They're kind of the glue that makes it all happen. This, I would imagine, is sort of the kind of construct you might find across most tech companies, right? I think so. Okay. And product marketing is very, very focused on the products. So the features, the competitors, the strategy. And they often work with these other marketers to push out new products and features Right. when, when there's something to push. When there's nothing to push, that's when all of us other marketers really... Or need to shine. (laughs) And does content marketing as a role, does this differ a lot depending on which industry you're in? 
Yes, definitely. I would say B2C content marketing is actually very different from B2B. B2C is much more emotional. So if you are trying to get someone to buy a sweater, you have to capture their attention in the moment, get them to really, really want that sweater or picture themselves as a beautiful person because they see that sweater. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas B2B, it's all about like, how does our product help you build a better company? (laughs) So so it's much more sort of direct, functional to the point. much more functional and ROI based. I see. But I think B2B content marketing is kind of shifting more into the emotional and less rational realm as well because we know we know it works better. And this is based on you've seen the performance of campaigns. Exactly. Okay. Just at the what we call the top of the, of the funnel with social and blog, that's what gets people to click. I see. Even in businesses. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, it'll be interesting to see because as far as business products are concerned right now, there's there's the same difference that you see. Consumer products tend to be much more good-looking, for example, as far as UI is concerned, as opposed to businesses. They are much more functional as long as, long as they do what you want them to do. But yeah, there is this shift happening across the industry, I guess. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a shame because anyone in a business is still a person and they want a product that it's is easy true. to use and looks nice <laughs> and all of that. Yeah. But we haven't put that effort in. All right, so this is great overview of the industry. Let's get to some of the more day-to-day aspects of your job, right? So what is your day-to-day life like at LinkedIn as a content marketer? So I get into work at 9 a.m. and have breakfast at work, which is nice. It's the forks of a tech company in Silicon Valley. (laughs) And typically I'll be responding to a lot of marketers who have been emailing me throughout the night because I work with a lot of people in Asia and Europe. And so I'll get to those really quickly, just any emergencies. And typically I'll have like a meeting with different team members. So my meetings are usually either feedback meetings on my content or meetings that are where I'm trying to get somebody else to help me. And the feedback is actually a big part of the job. So people telling you, you know, this design isn't going to work or this copy or written material isn't going to work. And so you have to have a very thick skin for feedback (laughs) and be willing to incorporate it somehow. And I think that's a huge part of the job. You know, that's an interesting point because uh, as you're saying that campaigns are more and more becoming sort of, uh, I I won't call them emotional, but they're trying to appeal to the emotional side of whoever's the person who's looking at that campaign. And now let's see you getting feedback. Hey, I don't think this is as effective as that, but it's not on a quantitative thing, right? It's something which is very subjective. So how do you work with that? How do you really figure out, is it this or is it that? It's super subjective. And one of the things that I've learned is even when it's subjective, there's still a logic to it. So the underlying logic has to be probably based on research, what you know about the consumer that will cause them to be emotionally excited. And beyond research... A lot of it is going through the exercise of thinking, putting yourself in their shoes and thinking, how are they going to perceive this? And literally talking that through with somebody. Uh, Because, you know, there's been a lot of like snafus where, especially when you have country, country content and something that you've written that gets translated into another language just gets completely botched. 
Oh, right. After translation. Right, right, right. Yes. Okay. So I think that's probably the easiest example of like screwing things up Mm -hmm. and why you need feedback from. Right, right. Because they need to give you the cultural context for that country, for that, for the campaign to work. Exactly. So, you know, we're, if you were trying to say this product is awesome and it gets translated to this cow is pooping, you know, that's an <laughs> absurd example, but there's yeah, a lot yeah. of examples yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So how big is a typical team working? Let's take the example of the campaign that you shared for LinkedIn Talent Solutions. How big was your team? I was working with probably about 10 people. Okay. From sales to demand gen. Yeah, can you share the different roles that would work on a campaign? So I was working very closely with PR. They were helping me to get press coverage for the content. I worked with demand generation marketers, and there's probably 25 of them across different countries. So I was communicating with them, telling them how they could take my material and translate it and make sure that it would resonate with their countries. And then beyond that, working with product marketers whenever there were products mentioned in the content, Mm -hmm. making sure we were positioning it correctly and making the sell very clear at the end and marketing operations ultimately to execute and make sure we were doing everything on time and that there were no kind of glitches in the websites testing things <laughs> yeah last minute yeah yeah yeah, yeah very important that yeah. like last mile testing so yeah. much can go wrong there right and you don't want someone to click on something and have nothing show up right so that's like a really critical and then prepping sales so that any leads that come in through this campaign they'll know what to oh, talk great about. point yeah and do you also work with designers like who's the one who's putting together the whole thing so you write yes. up the content and then there must be someone who's doing the visuals right so we can't forget about the designers. <laughs> they We pay them to create infographics and websites and videos. And we ultimately provide them with the strategic direction, which usually manifests itself in a one-page creative brief that we give to them. And they'll take that and bring it to life in a design. And then we'll go back and forth on feedback on the, that design. I see. I see. Okay. All right. And again, all of this happens during the strategy and the execution phase. Execution phase, yeah. Okay. So generally, what are your working hours like? Really good. I would say nine to six, mm-hmm. typically, sometimes seven. Mm-hmm. And when it's really busy, sometimes later. And sometimes I'll have to take home stuff, mm-hmm. maybe like once a month on the weekends. Right. But uh, are there sort of any peaks and crests in this in terms of, the first time it goes live, maybe the, you know, there's a little bit of, hey, you know, we're getting all of these questions, or is it fairly similar throughout? I would say the two weeks before a campaign goes live, I am working probably 10 to 11 hour days and weekends because I'm anal and need to make sure everything <laughs> is perfect. Mm-hmm. Because if, if any one piece goes wrong, then the whole thing kind right. of gets blown. But Besides those two weeks, it's actually pretty steady. So it's steady, steady, steady. It's almost like planning for a wedding. <laughs> steady, steady, steady. And then the two weeks before you're freaking yeah, out. You're like, oh my God. Because yeah. there's all these last minute details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens with every campaign. Okay. So in your opinion, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of working in B2B content marketing? Or actually just content marketing. And then you can say that if there's anything additional that comes in because it's B2B. 
I am really excited about video as well as interactive content because it's one thing about interactive content is that it's so new, people don't really know what to do with it. And I think there's a lot of potential for it because if I'm putting out a bunch of trends in recruiting, for example, or in job seeker behavior, the ability to like play around with that data and see how it changes by country or changes by what industry you're in is really interesting and can be really cool to see. So I'm really excited to use interactive content that way. I think another area is video and just the potential it has to engage you more emotionally. I worked on my first video last fall and it was a lot of fun. It was an animated one minute video that was a lot harder to create than I thought it would be, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So as you're saying, there's a lot of sort of up and coming new media uh, as far as content is concerned, which is exciting for you. Anything else that is exciting for you? about working in content marketing, whether it's in terms of, um, you know, how effective it is, in terms of uh, what impact you have, anything? I think one of the most exciting parts is you're telling stories and you're trying to say something that will get people excited and interested and believing in your company and whatever it is you sell. And to me, it's cool because... When you're working in any other area, it feels like people don't see your work and they might not remember anything that you did. But with content marketing, if you do something that's really interesting and memorable, they'll they'll think about that. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's like a movie. It's really like a movie, right? It is. If it hits the right point, you'll remember it. Exactly. Yeah. And that storytelling aspect is cool because. Like, after you die, nobody's going to necessarily remember that you did an awesome analysis, but they might remember this story that you told, and that will kind of live on after you. Right. All right, so yeah, so now let's get to the challenging aspects of the job then. What do you think are the challenging aspects? You never know what's going to work. It's always subjective, and it's the challenging but also exciting because somebody might come in and say, I want to do an ebook on XYZ topic. Like maybe, like for me, for example, I came in and I wanted to do an ebook about recruiters' careers because I thought that that would get them really interested and in downloading stuff. But ultimately, that didn't work. It was something that they weren't super interested in. So not a lot of downloads, not a lot of sales. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to know before you launch something. Mm -hmm. From all signs of my Google research and survey research, they would be excited about something like this. But then when the rubber meets the road, maybe (laughs) not. You just don't know what to look. You really don't know. I see. So a lot of it is unpredictable. Mm -hmm. I see, yeah. I mean, usually, and this is not specific to you, but is there something like um, what percentage of campaigns you can expect will be sort of at least average and then how many would actually you know just hit the ball out of the park we know that like from linkedin's data all of our data-driven research hits the ball out of the park (laughs) at least a million dollars with every one of those campaigns Mm -hmm. and so we do at least two of those every year because we know okay it's gonna work okay other stuff might include Ebooks are a little bit less risky. So yeah, I, I had no idea LinkedIn does ebooks. 
Yeah. You know, I was like, well, okay. Yeah. I should check those out. We put a little bit less time and money into them, mm-hmm. but they're still a little bit risky. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on the topic. If people are interested in the topic, then they'll download it. If not, then they won't. Right. So, I mean, you've been in this field for some time now. Have you seen any common mistakes that people make, especially when they're starting out in their careers in content marketing? Hmm. For me, I made a bunch of mistakes Mm -hmm. because I had no background in marketing or in writing. And I thought that I could be a great marketer just because I was a great project manager and I could think strategically. But ultimately, where the most important skill you can have as a content marketer is being a good storyteller and writer. And I underestimated how important that was. So I actually didn't really work a lot on that skill in the beginning. But now that I realize that it's the foundation for every type of content that we do, I'm working at it a lot harder. But do you think that is, so for example, you shared an example, I think it was for Airbnb that you shared, where they, they were sharing some sort of statistics about the industry, right? And do you think there's, that is more sort of sharing hard data as opposed to sharing a story or do you think there's some aspect of storytelling that you need to master everywhere i think it's the latter because even their their data they couched in a story about how airbnb was lifting up the economy and helping seniors create better lives for themselves Mm -hmm. through renting out their apartments and here's some facts behind that i see i see so that like emotional trigger and was a really good story angle right, to right. feed the data through. Right. So if you're interested in this field, the sooner you can start developing that skill, the better off you'll be. Exactly. Okay. And I think a lot of other jobs require this skill. Like if you're a management consultant, you need to be able to tell yeah, a good sure. story for with sure. data. <laughs> yeah. But it's the story that people remember and the data supports the story. Right. Right. And usually, what is the typical career path for someone in this role? So someone coming into this role typically has a variety of different marketing backgrounds or writing. So former journalists make great content marketers. I see. And they usually succeed really quickly because they have the writing skills, the story intuition. A lot of other types of people who succeed well, social media marketers, any other type of marketer, just because you kind of already have an intuition for what gets people excited, what gets their attention. For me, I didn't have any of those things. So I came into it and just learned it all from the ground up. And I'm still learning <laughs> and trying to become a better content marketer by working on my writing. Right, right. So once you're sort of in content marketing, then you would grow within the content marketing function. And I guess you would report up into the marketing overall, whoever the CMO or someone right. at the company. It's not clear to me where you go after this. Okay. I think that somebody who's done content marketing could go into almost any other marketing function and be entirely prepared. You could go into brand marketing, PR, social media marketing, demand generation marketing. You could even go into product marketing. Okay. Because ultimately you need to be able to tell the story of your product. So that core skill is what you take with you everywhere you go. Exactly. I see. Okay. So any other marketing role, you'd be very well prepared for. I see. Okay. 
what kind of person, in your opinion, would really enjoy himself or herself in this job? Somebody who's creative and likes writing and telling stories. And if you're analytical, that's actually a good thing too, especially if you're doing data-driven content marketing, which is what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so based on I think all our discussion so far, it's clear that creativity and being able to analyze data are two sort of very core skills in this field. Data, if you're doing data-driven content. Okay, right? only then. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, okay. it's actually not that important. So creativity would be much more sort of the, like without that, you just don't yeah. even think about it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anything else? Like, so for example, the best content marketers. I'm sure you must have worked with some really star content marketers. Maybe you're one yourself. What really differentiates them? What makes them stand out? The storytelling makes them stand out. And I think you could probably see the same quality in like the best movie directors. People who have a sense for what is going to touch people and get them excited. I think another trait that's really important is project management skills. I see. Because if you don't enjoy rallying a whole bunch of people to help you execute a campaign, then you might as well just be a writer or somebody in a creative agency. And you can't get the project all the through way. the full execution cycle, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to be either okay with some level of project management or really good at it. What is the typical background like for people in this role? I know you shared journalists, for example, are fairly good for this role. People with backgrounds in writing are good for this role. What else? Any other type of marketing. Any okay. other type. Demand generation marketing, social media, brand marketing, even PR and communications. And how many people are there, such as yourself, so you do not have either of those, right? Or you did not have, have any of them. Yeah. So this was the first time that you were working right. in marketing. Yes. So what percentage do you find people with these kind of backgrounds? I think I got really lucky because I, did, I was an internal company transfer. And so I think there's actually very few people like me who have zero experience in marketing or any of those things that I mentioned. So I think it would be a good story for people who are listening. How did you make that happen? So one of the easiest ways to switch careers is to do it in your company, especially since you already know the business, you already know the industry, and what you're missing is a few skills. And you probably already have some transferable skills that they really want. So learning how to, A, identify the right job to switch into, and B, selling what you already have that will be a huge asset to that new role. So you were already sort of displaying those characteristics in your role at that time, which I think was uh, sales, sales operations. operations. Okay, all right. Yeah. What is the interview process like for, for a content marketer? What are the kind of skills that are tested in the interview? They were looking for creativity, project management skills, writing, global experience, and I think just general teamwork communication type of skills, since you do have to work with so many different people. So those probably were the big five. And then also, lastly, somebody who both can think strategically, but isn't afraid to get their hands dirty with the execution. Yes, you need to be getting into the weeds, doing everything okay. Really into the weeds. Yeah. How do they test creativity in the interview? 
They asked me for examples of times when I was creative. Okay. And so it's then, stories. It's stories. But also, they gave me case studies where they told me to pitch topics to them about what would resonate with our audience. Ah, okay. Okay. I see. And I think, I think in something like this, they're probably also seeing how you're sharing your story. Because at the end exactly. of the day, you're also sort of selling yourself exactly. for that position. So if I can tell my story in yeah. a way that gets them excited about me, then I can probably tell a story about the company. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Oh, it's a tough interview. Tough. <laughs> so let's say that, you know, someone gets interested in content marketing and, or at least is considering it as a potential career option. Is there a way to sort of, for them to just get their hands dirty, test the waters a little bit before they go all in? Yes. The number one best way to see if you can enjoy content marketing is to start blogging and just put out a few blog posts about a topic you're interested in and see if that's something that excites you. If not, then content marketing requires way more than just blogging. Blogging is one small piece of content marketing, but it is kind of a foundational piece because it's all about communicating, writing well having a good topic, all of that kind of stuff. It all comes together in that one blog post. That's a great place. idea. It's a great idea. What's your favorite blogging platform these days? Well, obviously I use LinkedIn. <laughs> That's true. So <laughs> I blog a lot on LinkedIn about career advice. Mm-hmm. And I also use Medium now. Yeah, yeah that's it's, the up and coming one, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. But then beyond that, I really like reading Quora for Q&A. Right. So... Let's say that someone wants to apply for a role in content marketing. What's the best way to apply? Get a referral. And that's beyond content marketing. It's if somebody can vouch for you internally and say, this person is really creative and great at what they do, great at writing, your chances of getting the job are so much higher. And the reason why I can say that is because when I was hiring for a content marketing specialist last fall, the people who got referred just stood out that much more. There was somebody on my team telling me, this person is awesome. You cannot overlook them. Yeah. No, I mean, this is a common theme I've seen across, I mean, all the 15 episodes I've done so far. Everyone says referrals. But when you're getting all of these referrals, and I'm sure you're getting many, many resumes, are there any things that you're looking for? Because it's such a competitive market, right? So how do you... Do you have any suggestions for how candidates can stand out? It was competitive. I probably saw 100 resumes, and each one I spent a minute on. Mm. But the one thing that stood out through the whole process was things that they had written. If I looked at something they wrote and it got me excited, I knew that there was a lot of potential there. And then the cherry on top was with when somebody else could tell me, this person is awesome to work with, and they're a good writer. So like, can you share examples of things that have caught your eye when you're looking at someone's resume? It wasn't even the resume so much as their work samples. So oh, when they I, shared work samples. So it's not just a resume then that they get right. sent. Okay. Right. Well, that was unique to me because not everybody requests that. But I knew that in order to make a good decision, I had to see something they had done that they were proud of. Okay. And one example is this one guy, he had a film industry background, which was really unique. And he had a couple examples that he showed me, which he worked on for Uber, that when I looked at them, I was impressed. 
he worked on this Uber ice cream infographic, mm-hmm. and it was delightful. It was fun. The design was great, but also the story he was telling was just really clever. I really enjoyed that. He also had done like a commercial that was recruiting Uber drivers, tapping into their sense of wanting more freedom financially and the ability to pursue their mm-hmm. hobbies. Mm-hmm because all they needed was a paycheck to pay for their rent. Yeah, so just going back to the whole storytelling aspect of this, right? You know, not just sharing bare facts, but tying them in a story. Exactly. And right. then appealing to that, like, deep desire of the person you're trying to, right. Right. to get to. Right, right. That's a great, great example. All right, I think that's it from my side. Um, this is very helpful. Is there anything else that you think we should cover? I would say... I didn't have any background whatsoever in content marketing. And if I can do it, I do think anyone can do it. I may sound optimistic, but I think if you can tell a story about why you are uniquely qualified for a content marketing role, you can get the role and get somebody to vouch for you. So I think it's possible. It's going to take a lot of research Mm -hmm. and networking and potentially putting together some samples of things you've done that weren't part of your core job, but it's doable. And the easiest way to do it is probably through your own company right now because they know you're great. They know that you are a good performer in your current job. And so to move you into another role as a lateral transfer is going to be way easier for them to do. Right, right. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Esther. Thank you so much for your time. And that's it. Thanks a lot. Thanks. So that was Esther with a very interesting and engaging account of what is B2B content marketing and what does someone do when he or she works in this space. I hope you found today's episode helpful. This space definitely sounds very interesting for anyone who is creative and enjoys telling stories. And if you're not sure, then try blogging. It's very easy to set up a blog and just as Esther suggested, it might be a great way for you to test the waters and figure out if this is what you might enjoy doing, at least for some time. If you have any questions for Esther or for me, simply email us at learneducatediscover at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at LED underscore curator. Show notes from today's episode will be posted to our blog. You can find our blog at medium.com forward slash at LED underscore curator. If you enjoyed listening to the episode and enjoy what we are doing, you can subscribe to the show. You can find us on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. Simply search for Learn, Educate, Discover and you'll find us. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next one. Adios.